0: Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the regular listeners, and thank you if this is your first time tuning in. Uh, welcome. This is my podcast. This is the JMS Podcast. I wonder how you heard about it. Oh, a friend told you about it? Oh, okay. That's cool. Oh, you just saw this popped up on, on Facebook, and you're like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Well, thank you for being here. All right, here make yourself comfortable. Sit down. There you go. And if you're a new listener, uh, I got some important information. All right, before we continue on, is uh, I'm sure you got a keyboard in front of you. All you gotta do is uh, type down jamspodcast.com and check out the website for all the available content available for you right there. Oh, that, what's that? You want to subscribe? Oh, man, you can subscribe anywhere. Really, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and many other Android apps, such as the CastBox app. You can also follow the JMS Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please, please email me at jmspodcasts at gmail.com for anything at all. You want You want to join the email list? Well, just head on over to the homepage of the jmspodcast.com website and insert your email there to get... Uh, upcoming uh, segments, upcoming material, extra footage. Just sign up. Trust me. It's worth it. And if you want to donate, you can donate at Patreon. Just go to Patreon and search for JMSpodcast.com. Any little bit helps. No, I'm sorry. I messed that up. Go to Patreon and just search for GMS Podcast. That's it. Uh, it's becoming a force of habit to add the .com to everything. So my bad. Uh, we got a, a pretty packed episode today. We have a movie review with Jacob Wheels. He went to go see uh, the latest flick, family-friendly flick, the, the Christopher Robin movie. And he had some choice words for that one. And I have a very interesting guest. It is comedian Sam Weber. He's a real great guy, nice guy. He came all the way from Santa Cruz and we had a good chat about comedy, uh, starting open mics, and several other great things. And I, I think you're really going to dig this, this episode. I think you're going to forgive me for releasing it kind of late. All right, It was worth it. It was worth the wait. So, But before anything we do, I just got to say a big shout-out to Ivan Garcia and Pablo. Uh, they uh, had a great show in Los Banos. Uh, me and Falco, we hit the road, and we went over there. We didn't know what to expect. i never performed in Los Banos before. I didn't even know there was people in Los Banos. <laughs> so we, it was a nice drive. We went over there, uh, and I, I, I got to admit, man, I was really impressed. A great turnout, a great crowd, ready to laugh. And they're like, Jorge, we don't know who the hell you are. You know, because I, I think I got into the bill as a favor. Uh, so you're going first. So you, you, you got to prove yourself. They didn't say that, but I know. You know, you get that vibe from, from comics. It's like, all right, I don't know who the fuck you are, so you better be funny. It's my show. So sure enough, went up there, did, did my 10 minutes, and I, I went great. Kept them laughing throughout. Hey, even I was surprised. They laughed the whole thing. They're ready to laugh. Great crowd, Los Bonos. So So thank you so much for Ivan Garcia. And Pablo, also, I don't know how to say his last name. I'm not going to go there. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so other than that, uh, once again, check out jmspodcast.com. All right, let's head on over with a movie review with Jacob Wheels. And without much further ado, let's get right to it. talk about being broken uh welcome to uh, another segment of wheels on reels where the best uh film critic of san jose yeah in the world in the world most likely but as far as we know he is certified as the best in san jose especially in this room especially in
1: this room in this room yeah uh where he's gonna review a film what movie did you go see i went to go see christopher robin
0: who's that is that the uh, guy that lives down the street?
1: It's, uh... It's, oh, is that a is title cover? of a movie? That's the name of the movie. Yeah, no, I, was, I get it now. I get it. Oh, All right, yeah, yeah. did it go over yeah, your head? Yeah, yeah, it went over my head. I'm sorry. Because I hate dude. kids, and I'm not going to look at kids. But luckily for this movie, good segue, is that Christopher Robin isn't a kid in this movie.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about the... the uh, the con- Pretty much, this is a Winnie the Pooh movie, right? Yeah, it's
1: when, It's basically, they took the premise what would happen... What would Christopher Robin, the kid from Winnie the Pooh, be like if he was an adult? Mm-hmm. And then they ran with that. If he was a, uh, uh, if he was a, 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 British adult, in a, uh, yeah.
2: Oh, I do like a party. Come on, Pooh. What should happen if you forget about me? Silly old bear. I won't ever forget about you, Pooh. I promise. Not Even when I'm a hundred. We should be working this weekend, Robin. I, I promised my wife and daughter I'd take them away this weekend. All hands on deck. You won't be coming to the cottage. Well, it can't be helped. Your life is happening now, right in front of you. What to do, what to do, what to do. What to do indeed. Who? Christopher Roberts. No. The tree I remember was in the countryside, not here in London. There's no opening. I suppose it's where it needs to be. Well, that's a silly explanation. Why, thank you. Who? why are you here? Oh, yes, I need your help. I've lost all of my friends. Let's get to the bottom of this. Look up, Pooh! here I come. <clears throat> it would appear that I am stuck. Have you just eaten honey? I have not just eaten honey. I wonder which way. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. Do you? That's the way I do it. Hello, you. Christopher Robin, it's you, plain again. <laughs> Let's go and see if we can find Piglet. I've already stayed far too long. Hello, everyone. It's Christopher Robin! So nice to see you all again. Why, thank you. Silly old bear. I was wrong about work. I was wrong about everything. And I've got to get back to my family. Farewell, Christopher Robin. I would have liked it to go on for a while longer. Perhaps it's our turn to save Christopher. Come. You must be Madeline. Wait, you're the bear in my father's drawings? Yes. Do you know where he is? I do. <laughs> Let's bounce! I just saw the most preposterous imposter. Look at him! Tigger! <laughs> oh, Piglet! If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Oh, bother. Oh, dear, dear. I don't remember being cheery. People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. No, Pooh, that's not the... Oh, never mind.
0: (laughs) Now, did you grow up with Winnie the Pooh?
1: I did. Yeah, no, I I watched the... I I, I didn't... I wasn't like a big fan of it. You know, I would watch it on on the kids' Disney channel or whatever you call it. Uh, And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I always liked the adventures, the silly adventures of the silly bear and he's eating and stuff like that and his, Mm -hmm. his band of misfit toys. Uh, I'm assuming that's the same thing, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, looking back into this movie, I wasn't like nostalgic for anything. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's that's a Tigger thing to do. Uh-huh. Actually, you know what I realized? What's that? Fuck Tigger! Oh shit! God damn! I'm I was so annoyed at like just the character of Tigger and how he's so bouncy. Like, calm the fuck down! Like, I don't stop doing flips and shit. Like, he's bouncing around. He's being all loud and shit. I'm just like, calm the fuck down, Tigger.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think you're definitely. Uh, uh, prepare for kids I guess mm-hmm. but let's see so pretty much Christopher Robin it was directed by Mark Forster who yep. is a he's a renowned you know filmmaker he's, mm-hmm. done, he's done a lot of work uh, I know he he did a um, a small movie that I really like called Finding Neverland that's a pretty good one but he did World War Z he did The Cat Runner, Monsters Ball so this guy definitely can move around different genres yeah yeah. and uh, and a lot of great stuff it is starring Ewan McGregor right yep and uh, British talent. A lot of British, of course, makes sense. They're yeah. mostly British actors. Mm-hmm. Is uh, this a British story,
1: though? Does this originate in
0: in uh, in Britain? I think the author's British, yeah. I think so, yeah, because
1: I remember there was another movie that came out around the same time. It's probably still out now about, like, the making of Winnie the Pooh. Yes. And how they were, like, war-torn London, and they were, like, <laughs> they were, like oh, daddy, like, like there's no kid star because it's, like... I don't know why I transitioned to like an old man there, but basically, like it was like war-torn uh, e- uh, England, and um, and like he's like, I need to make a kid story about a, a teddy bear or something like that. Uh, okay. Same, same, same story here, right? right. Uh, just as depressing too. But uh, but h- how was the movie? So first of all, let me tell let me tell you a little bit of something about uh, marketing uh, movies, Jorge. Yeah. yeah. So the marketing for this is it's it's very happy. It's kind of it's it's lighter. It's on the lighter fare. You think you come into this, you know, like like you see the stand-ins at the movie theater, and it's like, oh, it's it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of toys sitting on lounge chairs in the sun, and they're wearing sunglasses, and it's cool. You know what I mean? It's cool. They're like they got their own movie, so they got the sunglasses. It's cool, right? And then like the trailers are like, this is a fun romp where he's like running through the woods, and he's an adult, and he's finding out to be childhood. But then like the first ten minutes is like depressing ass fucking a british like like oh i gotta go to war but you're pregnant and then i come back and i got ptsd and shit and it's like holy shit (laughs) yeah is it it a kid's movie this is a a kid's quote-unquote movie oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) bro some pretty adult themes there (laughs) oh my god so the worst part about this movie was that okay so uh okay so this movie is the kind of movie where you watch it and then it reminds you that you're gonna grow up you're going to be overworked you're going to neglect your kids mm-hmm. um you're going to eventually probably leave your life you're going to le- neglect your wife also and it just reminds you that you're an overall shitty person oh, that's something that to look forward to yeah it's a great great kids movie <laughs> but and uh, and it's just kind of like for the first 30 minutes it's just like this like depressing as and first the the okay so the first like say five minutes it's like it's it's a kid and these like dolls right mm-hmm. and then live at, and then and then and animals as it is and, like, it's their last day before he has to go off to boarding school or some shit like that. Right? And it's like, oh, it's so sweet. You know, it's a kid having, like, like lunch with his imaginary friends. And then they're like, okay, bye, Christopher Robin. And then he gets so sent off to boarding school. And then the motherfucker, his dad dies. And he's like, you got to be the man now, son. And it's just like, what is going on in this movie? Was it just moving too fast for you? It, was, it was moving too dark. Too dark and too fast. It was too, yes. It was just like, I'm like, we're having this nice little you know, dinner, this kid's dinner, and it's fine. It's in his imaginations. Well, you think it's in his de- imagination. Spoiler alert, mm-hmm. it's, like, real. Um, and then, all of a sudden, he gets sent off to boarding school. His dad dies. He, like, comes home. He meets a girl. He ends up going to war, but, like, she's pregnant, and then he comes back, and then he's, like, he has to work for a luggage company. And then the, the boss is, like, you can't hang around with your wife and daughter because you got to sell luggage. And it's just, like,
0: w- What? No. Like, no, no, no movie. No. I got to admit that in the advertising, they did kind of notion it's going to be a fun
1: movie. Yeah. I mean, if you like neglecting kids, <laughs> it's very fun. Oh, man. Um, One last thing about that. So, I'm like I said, this is like, this is, I don't know if this is a kid's movie, but people brought their kids to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things about, like I said, one of the themes is neglecting your kid because you have work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this one part where the daughter is mad at Eurn, 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 Ewen?
0: Ewan, Ewan, Ewen,
1: wait, Ewa, Ewan 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 wait Ewan McGregor McGreg- McGregor. When he he's we'll, we'll Ma- just call the transpotting guy the train spotting guy. Oh, yeah, let's yeah. just call him Christopher Robin. It's Ewan
0: McGregor Ewan. Whatever. Uh, I think we're fucking it up. I don't <laughs>
1: know. Aaron. Uh, okay, so he's his daughter. Uh, Christopher Robin's daughter is mad at him. Yeah. And like she's like, I don't want to see you because you neglect us. Like we were supposed to go to the go to the the cottage or whatever British people do yeah, but yeah. you're not going to the cottage and then this little kid this little black kid turns to his mom and he's I don't know why that was relevant why he's so black. the black kid was in theater with you the black kid was in theater yes okay. so they, okay let's just let's not throw race into this I'm gonna stop that uh even though this is a primarily white movie and I have a problem with that but that's besides the point so this kid in front of me he turns to his mom and he says why is his daughter mad at him and I was like, "This is a fucking kids movie. You sh- kids should not be asking these questions." Yeah. And it broke my heart because the kid didn't understand that, like, this father—he's a shitty dad. You know what I mean? And he didn't get it. It didn't register through his little head. What was the kid's uh, parent response to that? A kid—it <laughs> was a god voice. She's just like, Shh, "Watch the movie." <laughs> <laughs> Which brings me to another thing so, yeah. so there are a lot of kids in this movie And like there's some like war imagery <laughs> And kids oh are like, g- Is it like Saving Private Ryan stuff <laughs> Kind happening? of like shit blowing up like people flipping Doing flips and shit because of bombs You know bombs go off and then they, yeah. they flip into the air Like classic trope Yeah. Um, And like it's it's I, I know I hate people talking but I hate people Shushing even more So like they, kids would be like whoa Big explosion in here shh and I'm just like, <laughs> I wanna tell you to shush. Parents are shushing their Shit, kids. Parents
0: are shushing their kids. From reacting to what they're yeah. seeing on screen.
1: Yeah. But there's this one guy that lo- just fucking loved the movie. He was an older guy with his kids, and he was laughing at some of the jokes harder than it. And that kinda pissed me off too, because he'd be like like one of the first scenes is like they're eating and they're like, We're gonna be playing forever. They're having this giant meal of candy and stuff like that. And it's like we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be playing forever for days, you know, this day will never end. And then they all fall asleep and then you just hear this like Filipino dude go ha <laughs> ha Ha <laughs> And I was just like, "What? <laughs> like that wasn't even that good of a joke." I saw it come from a mile away. But that guy pissed me off too because he was laughing at a joke that wasn't even that funny. Well,
0: it seems like you came into this movie really pissed off. <laughs> I did. Everybody. I,
1: I mean, I I expected to have a nice date night with my girlfriend, yeah, and watch a cute movie.
0: <laughs> uh huh. And well, then, then I people get people just getting involved. People yeah. are
1: fucking assholes. All right, <laughs> kids are are annoying. Moms are like obnoxious. Man, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's some of the the stuff you have. To to go through as a film critic man mm-hmm. you just gotta go through the trenches and my girlfriend's over here trying to grab me and I'm like I'm trying to watch a movie alright <laughs> like don't do this she
0: getting turned on by I sister? don't know she Robin. does this
1: with every movie you know <laughs> There's a fetish she has. I don't know. I'm trying to... Maybe she likes to piss me off, because I want to watch a movie, and then I feel my leg being touched, and I'm like, calm down, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're at the movies. <laughs> We're at the... First of all, public, public uh, area, yeah, We're yeah. Not, and secondly, there's a movie on screen. Be respectful. Hey, some chicks are into that, okay? I mean... You can't judge. I'm not into the into-ness. Yeah, I hear you. Anyways, where are we at? Uh, so,
0: so pretty much... Uh, It looks like it was a convoluted, all over the place. The tone was over the place. No, the tone was dark throughout the film. The only time it was over
1: the place was in about the third act, when it gets more lighthearted, and, like, Tigger's jumping around, being all, like, calm the fuck down, Tigger. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to calm the fuck down. Um, And then it becomes, like, lighthearted, and it's, like, really cool. They really rushed the third act, because they really needed to make people forget that they just watched, like, 45 minutes of this neglectful father. Um <laughs> so, right. so uh, yeah. Okay, like, it's just such a weird movie. Like, I it's not a. I mean, I appreciate. I honestly did appreciate it. I did appreciate that they Disney went to this direction because because I know the the screenwriter writes like these dark, depressing. Uh, uh, these depressing cut not dark. These dark films, these adult dramas. Uh, and then the 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 director here, he's like, you know, he's directed a couple things too. But, like, okay. just knowing that, I'm just like, I don't know how to feel about this movie. You know, these these animals, like, I'm, I, they looked good. Like, the the, the characters looked good. Uh, but, <laughs> god damn, like... Well, it's interesting you mentioned the screenwriters, because one of the screen, screenwriters also wrote Spotlight. hmm So, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you could see how I'm so confused about this movie. <laughs> how were the performances,
0: though? How was the acting?
1: So, it was good. Like, it was fine. Like, the low... I know I hate little girls. Right, okay, but I, I you hate what I hate like kids in general. Okay, but like I really felt bad for this little girl and her and her father. Right. So
0: um, the,
1: the kid actress, Bronte act- Carmichael. Uh, I believe so. I don't know her. Okay. Uh, this but is- her character's Madeline. Uh,
0: yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Uh, I mean the uh, there was this weird subplot. There was this weird dude that I liked. He didn't have much. He's like he. I call him the cribbage guy because he or cr- cribbage is that a card game? Um. Anyways, there's this neighbor, that dude that I liked a lot, and he's like, "You want to come over? And, oh, bridge! I don't know how I got that. He's like, oh, you want to play some bridge?' And I love that guy, but he was only in two scenes, and that's a, that's a side point. He was trying to lure lure the little girl. No, to he his was house. trying to lure uh uh train spotter. Oh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ewan. <laughs> Are we
0: saying that right? You, you gotta say fast and with confidence. Want,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, and I like that guy's performance. He's just like, "Let's come over and play some bridge," and.
0: Now, um, by the trailer alone, mm-hmm. the way Winnie the Pooh and the other characters uh, came off a little creepy. They look like dirty rag dolls, and so. But maybe it's a case where the CG is maybe a little too realistic.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, the only one that I really had a problem with was Pooh Bear, which he looks the same. Like, he looks, he looks really worn down and ugly. Uh, he looks dirty, like a kid's play toy, mm-hmm. which I guess it's fine because kids are messy and, like, they don't know how to take responsibility and clean them up, up after themselves. Uh, so, you know, it was fine. Uh, but, like, I, I liked, like, the character of Eeyore.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Eeyore was, like, like he looked good. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a doll, but, like, he looked good. Like, they had anim- animated rabbits, and I was like, they look fine. You know what I mean? I had, what the hell was that?
0: Uh, I think someone just left the house. That's oh, okay. Obvious. Okay. Um, it's, it's probably winning the poo. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's he knows he's I'm not he's today. not liking he's not liking the the criticism. No, of this no. Movie. Um, <laughs> I, I
1: I liked the movie. Oh, uh, so so well. You... I I kind of liked the I, I liked it up until the last last part of it when it mm-hmm. became like oh this is a fun romp through the city where it's like people are seeing dolls and shit. Yeah, come in here.
2: Look, you can't just keep saying hello to people. People can't see you moving and talking. But why? Because, because you're different. And b- b- people don't like things that are different. So I shouldn't be me? No, no, you you you, know, you should always be yourself. No, this is very confusing. It may be the hunger. You've just eaten. Oh, that's right. Maybe I didn't eat enough. Look, never mind about that. For now, just try and be a, a less a less exuberant you. Exuberant. Flop. Sag. Golem. Flop. So. Yes. Golem. How about I know, I know, I've got it. How about play I nap time? I love play. Well, let's see it. Like this.
1: Uh, so you, you liked the movie then? I did. I I thought it was good. It sounded like you were gonna give us some bullshit. I mean, this this movie is a bullshit as a rating. Uh, It is kind of bullshit. Don't see it with kids. Spoiler alert! Don't see this with your kids unless you want your kids to have uh, emotional crises. Crises. So, I mean, the dolls are fine. Like, I didn't have any problem with it. Like, I don't know why people are tripping out about animation sometimes because like it worked with the with the atmosphere of it. Mm -hmm. But like, I had nothing to do with it. I mean, Pooh Bear had a small a small mouth. And I, I I don't like people with small mouse, mouths Um right. and that, that that's I don't a, know. That's maybe people small uh, mouths they look creepy. Okay. All right. They're
0: just it's a creepy looking doll. Ooh. They're creepy looking people. Let's go further into this. What what is it about small <laughs> mouths that triggers something in you that to to immediate uh, rage?
1: Okay. So so uh, I remember one day I was playing some violent video games and then I became allergic to gluten, uh, <laughs> and then I was pretty <laughs> so sure I played violent t- video games. Yeah. And then I oh I don't know I don't like them. Okay, that's it. Um besides that, like they, they looked fine, all right. Like all right. um it they, they animated well, which I was kind of like amazed at, like they animated it so well. But speak going back to the characters. So the special effects were great. They were good, yeah. Okay, going back like, to characters. Going going back to characters, like I didn't realize how much of an e- Eeyore I was until my girlfriend
0: pointed out how like depressing I am. Yeah, yeah. Alright, Jacob, we're gonna close it up. It sounds like you're recommending this movie.
1: Yeah, I, I actually do recommend it. Um if you're looking to have like a great time <laughs> don't probably don't watch this movie okay. uh like i i it, it's it's a good movie it made me think more than i wanted to you know what i mean i thought it was a, i was gonna have a light-hearted ramp romp through through the hundred acre woods mm-hmm. and it gets like really dark like there's a point where chris robin almost drowns to death mm-hmm. and granted this is a kids movie and it's just like oh i i i appreciated that they took this angle you know this dark depressing angle uh but yeah I believe that there's a little there's a little doll in all of us, mm. you know. I'm just trying to make it sound like I know what I'm saying as these closing statements. Yeah, but it's not coming out as I
0: want it to. But overall, it seems like you like the film.
1: Yeah, it was good. Uh, don't, it's kind of depressing. And if you know, it's depressing. Like you won't be as shocked as I was.
0: So do you feel it's better to watch this at home?
1: Yeah, like this: is what you do, you go home, you close all the blinds, you put a sweater on and some shorts and like you put the hoodie o- you put a hoodie o- uh, over your it's head. It's the
0: summer dude, it's hella and, hot out here. Well, Come okay,
1: on. like watch this in the winter then. All right, put a hoodie over yourself, turn off all the lights, all the blinds, no light coming in, just the dark glow of the TV just projecting this movie into your mind. And that's probably the perfect time to watch
0: this movie. All right, Jacob. Thank you for coming, man. Yeah, man.
1: Um find me on uh hit me on the inter- internet.
0: Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Do I have a website yet? Did you make me a website? Uh, no, no,
0: not yet. Oh, well, well because I got I got a threat from the other film critics. Oh, well, you know, like if, if you keep blowing up this guy, he's taking our jobs. It's another Latino taking our jobs. I'll blow up some guys if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I know you'll blow them, but you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you know, we're not
1: there yet. I'm not gonna blow them down. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Can can we like make a plug like? Can we make a plug that's like, hey, uh, uh, email the JMS podcast with any feedback? Well, I'll tell you what. How about they concert? donate to the
0: Patreon? So yeah. That, that way we'll have money to make a Jacob Wheels' own uh, film review website.
1: Yeah, because, you know, and also um, the security guards are getting really mad at me for sneaking into theaters. <laughs> so I kind of need some money to get into the theater. And then also, if you can donate a little bit more, I don't have to steal. Uh, I don't have to steal popcorn when people aren't looking. Yeah. So like bags of popcorn, like people get really mad.
0: But that struggles what makes you the best film critic in. San I mean, Jose. possibly,
1: but I don't like struggling. All right. Um, <laughs> because I, you're from San Jose, where you are on the San Jose I, budget. Which yes, is pretty much. The... I'm on the Bay Area budget, <laughs> which, if you don't know, it's uh, I eat nothing but popcorn. <laughs> Uh, uh, for lunch and um, yeah, so just donate, uh, uh, give, send me your emails and put some like bitcoins in there. All right, how about that? Um, and uh, you know, just overall have a, a happy day and just be uh, just be glad you're not British.
0: All right, thanks for coming, mm-hmm. Jacob. If you have seen the Christopher Robin film, please let me know how you felt about the review or, or tell me your own review. You can email me at jammaspodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about it. I really would. All right, let's uh, move on with Sam Weber all the way from Santa Cruz. I'm glad he can make it. I've always wanted to talk to him. I want to pick his brain about the poet. He has a great, great open mic on Monday nights in Santa Cruz. Well worth checking out if you have to, to be in the area. Uh, the Poet and the Patriot. I love that place. Especially because it is the only bar I know where I could ask the bartender for some hot tea. And he has it. He doesn't look at me funny. He doesn't kick me out. He just looks at me at the, straight in the eyes and he goes, Do you want English breakfast or green tea? And I usually go for the green tea. So uh, I think it's a, it's a great place. I love it. I look a little weird while everybody's holding beer. I'm holding a tea mug, but hey, it's one of the reasons why it's so special. On top of that, there's a great community of comedians there who hang out and who are great performers. And so I was very excited to have Sam Weber here, uh, because I get a little nervous asking comedians outside the immediate area, you know, of Santa Cruz, San Francisco, uh, and beyond, I, because you know it's a long it's a long drive for them, you know, and I get a little nervous. I just want to make sure it's worth the drive. It, it, hopefully, you know. Uh, it's not like, oh, shit, man, this guy just brought me to his place and talked to me. What's the big deal? I drove miles for this shit, but usually, luckily, knock on wood, hasn't been that bad. And Sam Weber, for sure, was a, a, a gentleman all about it. He was great. A great talk. So I can't speak any more much highly of him. Other than that, to check out his open mic on Monday nights in Santa Cruz at The Poet and the Patriot. Alright, so you know what? Fuck it. That's it. That's all I gotta say about that. And let's uh let's go with my conversation with Sam Weber. Hey. Sam Weber, thank you for coming, man. Hey. Thank you for making the drive all the way from Santa Cruz. Oh, it's fine.
4: It's it's uh you know, I mean, like it's bad when there's a bunch of tourists and I'm and I'm driven into that. Yeah, uh, but on uh, on Monday morning, all of the tourists have already gotten back to their their homes, so they're already you know back at their tech jobs
0: by now. So, is Santa Cruz the worst for a local on the weekend? Is I that, mean, is that where the tourists stop by? <laughs> it's where you guys is <laughs> where anyone
4: from San Jose <laughs> goes to just hang out. Right. Right. Uh, because. San Jose sucks. Does it? What happened? What does San Jose do to you? Oh, I forgot that you... Yeah. No. Uh, San Jose is great. San Jose... <laughs> what? Well, do you, do you have family here? Did you live here at one point? I mean, I grew up in... Um, yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area on um, on the South Peninsula. What, um, which town? Menlo Park.
0: Menlo Park. So yeah. I guess Mid-Peninsula. You know who else is from there? Oh, we probably don't know him. I had him here on... Uh, uh, what's his name? Cedric? Oh, Drake. I love Cedric. Yeah, he's and great. And Nate Spears... I, I You're know, the third yeah. comic out of Menlo Park. Well, I, what is about that spot? That's that's bringing out comedians. Like, well, where's the self hatred coming from? It's it's fine. I mean,
4: <laughs> yeah. it's just not. It's no longer the place I grew up in. You know.
0: You don't recognize it anymore. Yeah,
4: that's what happens when mm-hmm. like housing prices quadruple. Right. Quintuple. What? I mean, it's just it just becomes a different place. Like, how long were you living there? Like, we raised there. I was born and raised. I was born in uh, Redwood City. I was raised in Ladera. Where's that it, at? Which it, it's a um, tiny little, tiny little planned community built into the northeast expanse of the Santa Cruz Mountains, so adjacent to Stanford and Palo Alto.
0: Oh, interesting. So it's by the the skyline of uh-huh. kinda... but it's it's in the same beautiful Dakota's area though. West Memorial Park. Oh, it's beautiful. Jesus. Um, that's like right up there in the woods, right? Hmm. Yeah.
4: So technically, I guess I've always lived in. The Santa Cruz Mountains.
0: Yeah, yeah. How's that like, you know, growing up surrounded by all those redwood stuff and nature and shit? It's the best. I, I, uh,
4: I, I, th- I spend a lot of time just, uh, um, reflecting at this point. Because, like, I live in Santa Cruz, so I get to go on hikes and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really great for my, like, depression and stuff, because, like, I, I... Uh, I spend a lot of time in nature and just looking at all of the trees and I'm so gra- I'm so glad that my life work gets to be um, you know doing comedy instead of like figuring out how plants work. <laughs> right <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm just so glad that we got everything. there's so much that has already been sorted out that I get to just do nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> functionally. Like mm-hmm. evolutionarily speaking, like what I do doesn't have to matter. <laughs>
0: Well, there's something to be said when you're involved in nature, like how it, it really helps with a lot of you know self esteem issues or just you know depression in, in some way. Mm-hmm. Because I think it really shifts your perspective of how big the world is, how big the most you know you know tree can be, and and I think there's something like refreshing thought behind that, of like all right, like I'm part of this system, I'm part of this thing, and it looks like everything has a role to it. Uh, well,
4: yeah, that's that's. Um... You know that's that's the whole point. Yeah. Is uh, we're all just little grains of sand, mm-hmm. and um, you know what's what's the what's the largest living thing on Earth? It's the Great Barrier Reef. You know,
0: right? It's, right. Well, and I think that kind of goes against to what we were kind of raised, especially as you know Americans in, in the nineties. Uh, well wow, that's a great name for a band, Americans in the nineties. I don't know <laughs> uh, where where it's like we're told you you are special you should be doing great things. And if you're not doing great things like these other people are doing great things, then you're a piece of shit. What's, what, what are you doing with your life? You're not going anywhere in life if you're not achieving these accomplishments that, that are put out by society. But then you got out of nature, you're like, you know what? Nobody gives a shit. You, you just exist. You just be. I don't know.
4: I I, I feel like um, that that there's like value to just to telling everyone that they are special because they are. Um, I mean... I don't. I don't know that being doing anything particularly important matters. I think that we're all um, we're all we're all just part of the society. And as long as you're not like selling heroin, you're <laughs> <laughs> you're doing okay. You're doing something because right. either you are working in uh, like construction and building something, or you know you're. Working in administration and helping uh, keep things going, or everybody's doing something. And as long as you're not like, you know, a, a scientist for Lockheed Martin, just like building bombs <laughs> or shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then fine. What well, there's what's wrong with that? Right. Yeah. I mean, like, don't be don't don't do research and development for like British Petroleum. Like, <laughs> work on climate science, but. I mean, it does. You don't have to do that. Yeah. You can just you can just host a podcast and talk to people. No, and, I, I think, and, that, I think and that's get...
0: well aligned with working at Lockheed Martin, building bombs.
4: Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> having do, a we, podcast, we, we just, you, know, we, you
0: know, you're at rock bottom.
4: Well, no, I, I'm. You know, we're comedians. We we know a different kind of. We we build a different kind of bomb. Da 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 da, 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 da you know. Right.
0: We hit rock bottom every every week or so. Yes. I think.
4: Uh, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to tell you, Jorge, is I think you're doing great. I'm really proud of you.
0: <laughs> well, I'm trying to tell you. I think you're doing great. I think you being in nature, growing up in nature, must have been an awesome experience. Thanks. Sure it was. Uh, so why the shift from Melo Atherton to, to the woods? I mean, I. Uh, for,
4: for, you mean from like going to MA uh, to, and then going to um, UC Santa Cruz?
0: Oh, so you moved there because you you're I moved going there to because Cruz. I
4: I moved to Santa Cruz um, from Menlo Park after in 2010 so I just started doing stand up I graduated high school um, and I was like 17 um,
0: right. what was the game plan
4: um, kill myself <laughs> I
0: was just really depressed you did a hard, to- hard time in high school with that
4: yeah I almost failed out of high school Mm. Was, um, it, was it
0: bullies or was it just no no, no just, motivation? Just depression. I was fifty one fifty in high school. Oh man! Psychotic uh, yeah. um, break or what kind? What, what are we talking no, about? Just
4: uh, just like suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. I just I've dealt with really bad depression all my life. Um, I mean it's it's well all my life. I don't know. It it got bad in high school and. Um, oh. I recently started tapering off my meds and so like it's it's kind of it's kind of been a situation that's no longer um making my life super difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh so uh, you know, I'm getting off those meds and and all that. But um when I was in high school I had terrible depression and I somehow managed to graduate and UCSC was like Saw my, saw my terrible grades, and they sent me a formal letter that said, hey, kid, knock that shit off. Yeah. And uh, I, I went to UCSD, and um, so my first quarter, I did great. I had, like, a 3.8 or something. Yeah. Um, and then my next quarter, I had a 2.0. <laughs> and then my next quarter, I had two Fs and a withdraw. Uh, and they said, we don't know what's going on, but you got to go figure that shit out. Uh, so I, I withdrew. Yeah. Uh, and I moved back from my parents for, um, about two years and mm-hmm. I just, uh, got really into up because mm-hmm. I had started, um, in 2010 right after I graduated because I was one of the few things that I had got like joy out of in high school was I had a lot of friends that were, uh, in this improv team on campus and they would put shows on at the end of every quarter. And a lot of my friends were in that and I was kind of involved towards the end. Um but then we all graduated and they all started doing stand up and I was like, i can do that mm-hmm. um and so I would do it occasionally like i would do open mics on campus and shit Be- but but i i i started in San francisco in twenty ten when there was Well, i guess there's always bringers but
0: uh uh i would do do you
4: remember the brainwash
0: yeah never been, but i know of it yeah, it's pretty so, bad it's it's like like the what was it um uh, a, a rites of passage for a lot of local comics here to go um, to the brainwash?
4: Yeah, it's sad that that's what it became um, like when it had been running for like almost 20 years oh. and before they went before they switched to every night it was um, just Thursdays and it was one of the, it was like one of the best, or it could be one of the best open mics you could do in mm. the city um, because it, it was the, it was the exclusivity of it. It wasn't every night. It wasn't the. It wasn't so oversaturated. And comics would line up around the block.
0: Holy shit!
4: You would have to get there at five or five thirty if you wanted to get up in the first ten, and the show still started at you know like seven thirty or eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tony Sparks would have, he would he would host every Thursday, and he would have um, forty comics show up. And it was five minutes at first, and then it went down to four minutes, and it went down to three minutes. And, like, you have to remember, this is where a lot of people started. So people like Moshe Kasher were, like, just hanging out there in, like, 2008 or 2009. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was towards the end of his time here. That was towards, like, the time when he he started to move on. Right, right. and, And his star started to shine. But, um... So coming in, you knew of that stuff.
0: You knew of that mic and how special that mic was.
4: So I knew I did that mic, and but I thought like, this is my vision of what comedy was: was uh, you do this, you do like a uh, open mic a week, and then you do bringer shows at the Purple Onion. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the system.
4: That was that was the system as I understood it. And the Purple Onion uh, back then, it, now it's Doc's Lab. They closed right. it and made it a variety club. But before they closed it, I mean, initially it was like you know, the storied club or Zach Galifianakis recorded his Netflix special there in 2006. Right. Right. Um, but towards the end, it was just charlatans trading on the, you know, trading on the souls of the past. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, every weekend was just bringer shows and they didn't, then it wasn't acting as a comedy club anymore. It was acting as a rental venue with a bar. Mm, Yeah. Uh, and so I would do an open mic week and then, bring your shows and, and when i dropped out in 2011 and i came back i started to do more mics because when you're really depressed the biggest thing that can help is community well yeah. not the biggest thing i mean they say
0: well feeling productive and being mm-hmm. a part of something mm-hmm. are super important to yeah. to the just to the human condition in general
4: mm-hmm.
0: and i think it goes back to what you're talking about as far as careers of you know where you're at and how, how nature is related it's that at the end of the day, you just gotta make sure that you're feeling productive, even when you're at mm-hmm. your lowest, at rock bottom. find you know something that makes you feel productive, making a conscious effort to try things. In this case, you resorted to stand up. You're like, it seems like you were going through a really hard phase in your life, and and it seems like stand up was a way of you going like, all right, I have something to look forward to now. Oh well, I wouldn't say I looked forward to it either because I was <laughs> I'd been doing stand
4: up for like a year and I was, um, bad at, I was first off bad at it cause I take a long time to learn any skill.
0: I'm kidding. I'm still bad at it. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it takes a while.
4: It takes a while. Yeah. Um, but I mean, no one, almost no one gets good in their first couple years. Right. Um, so like first off I was bad. Second off I was 18 or 19. So I didn't actually have anything to talk about anyways. <laughs>
0: What were you talking
4: about? Oh, just it was just like watching this this really cute blonde child go on stage and be like, "I'm sad for ten minutes." (laughs) Okay. And it was like, and everyone was just kind of like, "Okay, (laughs) (laughs)
3: is this comedy
4: or just a therapist session?" Mostly that. You know, Christine Bentley. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. One time, one time after I did, I bombed at two, two, two hide. Uh, there just. It used to be this dead ass open mic. There was nobody there, and I went up and I bombed. And I and and Cassine was a, a social worker at that time, mm-hmm. uh, and so he was like actually concerned, but <laughs> he wouldn't have it in a really gruff way. He just, Hey Sam, <laughs> have you ever tried to kill yourself? And I was like, no, and I ran away.
0: Was it kind of scary that he kind of read through that? You know, considering <laughs> the, the background you had in high school.
4: I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed that I was that transparent, even right. though I didn't like. I didn't I didn't stop to think like, "Hey, I'm just talking about suicide for What's like the big deal for 5 minutes." Yeah. <laughs> How, no. What what would I what am I what should I have right. Um, right. so yeah.
0: So what got you the shift from going, you know, San Francisco based, you know, mics to a concentration into the Santa Cruz comedy community?
4: Well, so by 2012, I had started to read a lot of books and I was um, watching stand up and listening to albums as much as I can as much as I could before
0: so you were studying the craft at that point.
4: I guess if you yeah. want to call it that. I mean, uh, comedy uh, comedy is the most fickle art that you can learn but can't teach. And brilliant it's brilliant art. It's, it's mostly <laughs> yeah. like uh, you just have to listen and pay attention. And um, my therapist at the time uh, was. Observed that I was doing open mics and feeling bad about myself because I, I uh, started listening to WTF with Mark Marin. yeah, and that was back at like early on when he was still having just comics on and talking about their approaches and techniques. And um, one thing I heard on there was what uh, if you're doing one to three mics a week, um, you're losing you're losing your edge if you're doing you know four th- three to five a week you know you're staying the same and if you're doing like 7 to 10 uh, you're actually getting better mm-hmm. and so I started doing like 7 to 10 mics a week every week uh, and I was getting better but I was still like not doing great so I was still sad and my therapist was like Sam I want you to read um, books by comics about the experience uh, and so I read Zombie Spaceship Wasteland by Pat Oswalt. Mm-hmm. have you ever have you ever read it have you ever heard of it
0: not yet but I, I know the guy I know the comic comic and he's a pretty cool
3: guy
4: it's a great book mm-hmm. uh, and it talks a lot about his experiences uh, starting in the DC scene in like the late 80s, early 90s and then moving to San Francisco during the second boom uh, where like um, W. Kamau Bell and him and uh, Blaine Kapach and right. uh, Maria Bamford uh, were all like blowing up out of um, and that and 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 that's when I started to, like pay attention to what, um, like what it is that I'm actually doing rather than just kind of uh thoughtlessly going up and and doing sets uh, right. and not really reflecting on it. I started recording every set, um, and so then I moved down to uh, and so, meanwhile I was uh, failing my way out of junior college and uh, <laughs> and working at Staples, hated it
0: so. The junior college or the stables? Both. Yeah, yeah, both, yeah. Well at this what was the concentration of study at the time?
4: Uh, at the in, in in uh Foothill? Yeah. General Eds. Didn't you know, just, just kind of like whatever fit my schedule uh, just th- gonna G
0: out of the way? Yeah. yeah.
4: And I and I did fine. I got like a two. Um, and I transferred back to UCSC, um, and completely bombed out there for two quarters and didn't complete Mm-hmm. um a thing but while well, i was there i played on the lacrosse team and i found a community that way um which is nice because it was like and it's like an immediate community my parents always say when you move to a new place find a church
0: because they're church planners yeah um are church planners like what do you mean by that what is that uh oh they make arrangements for a church they right. plant planter they they moved
4: they graduated from uh um university of massachusetts they both got their graduate degrees, and they moved to the Bay Area. Yeah. And they started a Presbyterian church. Oh, okay. And then that folded when the pastor that they found felt called to a different uh, congregation, which just means uh, they offered him a paycheck and he wanted to be <laughs>
0: closer to his family. So you grew up in a religious household?
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, it, and it never caught on to you? No, it didn't. Okay. Yeah. So you, you're, you're definitely religious uh uh-huh. cool and I can talk it, about that in my act okay um i I, I only go to the point you know once in a while but <laughs> oh yeah no I, but, I
4: sound I sound like a real dingus <laughs> why would you why would you know that um I guess I guess we just like think we we just do the same jokes over and over again and we all assume that everyone's like hey you know this one right
0: I've been there yeah yeah for sure, but here you are. You, it seems like you took a, a more concentration on the on the stand up. You, you you're you're going to junior college, working at stables, not liking it. Uh uh-huh. So wh- what what kind of motivated you ca- to kind of to go back to UCSC? Yeah, I felt like I was getting left behind.
4: Um. I um. I saw um. A Bo Burnham interview you know Bill Burnham. Yeah, yeah. He, he became a YouTube star in late high school and then thought of going to college, he just you know, toured off that that viral video money. Right. And became actually a you know, well, I think a good stand-up, but uh, everybody always disagrees on who's a good stand-up and who's not. It's subjective. Uh, I like him though. He did either I think he did um a segment on The Green Room with Paul Provenza, which was this Showtime show
0: yeah I love that I love watching those uh, too bad it got cancelled but they have they have almost all the episodes on YouTube you can check out yeah Yeah. and he did
4: um, a segment there and um, they were talking they were just like asking him what his experience is like because it's so different right just I mean like it almost every club comic is that's really successful is over 30 because it just takes so long. I mean, most of them are like over forty. Mm-hmm. It just takes so long to hit it, and he hit it so early that it's 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 just unusual in uh, to an extreme degree. And they're like, "What was that like?" And and he was explaining that he felt like he was being left behind because all of his friends were going to freshman year and living in the dorms and partying and uh, making all these friends, and he was doing. Um, some show to well, what were like essentially would have been his peers at all these different universities, and not really getting to get to know anybody or like have that party experience or have the the growth that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And he felt he and, and and I mean, also he was like making millions of dollars, and he was like because his you know he's touring the whole country, uh, so he was quick to be like well it's not the worst thing in the world but i i what i reflect on in that is is i remember hearing that and being like well i'm not <laughs> making millions and touring the country and doing anything mm-hmm. so i'd rather not miss out
3: mm-hmm. uh
4: and i went back early uh <laughs> earlier than i should because i was still very depressed um and um kind of tried to pay my own way and blew my life savings, failing out of school. Hmm. Uh, and, um, the strangest thing happened was uh, when I moved there in 2013, in the beginning of 2013, there just happened to be a few other people that had moved there uh, that want, that had been doing stand up that wanted to keep doing standup. And there had been some locals that had just realized, Hey, I want to do stand up, and so for the longest time, there were two rooms for about you know five years in Santa Cruz. There were two comedy shows. There was uh, the Blue Lagoon with DNA,
0: right? Great room, yeah. And uh, and then there was the
4: Crow's Nest in the harbor. Yeah, I've, uh, I've
0: yet to check that out, but yeah, I hear great things about that too. It's uh,
4: it's the longest running comedy show in California.
0: What the Crow's Nest? Mm-hmm.
4: Really? It's, it's been. I mean, aside from like whatever club. You know, right. it's the longest running one nighter. It's over thirty years now. Um, wow, is my okay. is what I've been is what I've been told
0: in Northern California, maybe right? I mean, okay.
4: I go by I'm a comic baby. I go just <laughs> <laughs> you go by, by the ward, word, of, word mouth, of the street, yeah, a yeah, a smile and a song, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me yeah. that it, that no, there's nobody else that's been running a one nighter for. 30 years, but it's booked by John Fox, you know, and he's been running uh, the San Francisco Comedy, uh, San Francisco International Comedy Competition for about as long, so it would not surprise me.
0: That's interesting you you say that because for some reason I I always had the impression that uh, the Santa Cruz comedy community was vibrant and and, and big. It seems like there's a lot to do for, again, this is just the impression I got. Oh, there is now. Of how tight knit you are and how, 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 how supportive everybody is. I'm like, you know, this is a great scene. And and I always tell Sounds Like comics like new people, it's like go to Santa Cruz, you know, it's a lot of fun over there. There's a lot of great things happening, and but I guess what you're telling me now, for the longest time, there's only really two mics that people could hit up. No, no, that was in um, that was in
4: 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was where uh, where it all started. Because now there's now you can do a, um, you can do a set there at least one pretty much every night. Right. There's right. you know. Between all of our monthly shows, and uh, the weekly open mics, and the one-offs, um, there's like, you know, six to ten shows a week mm-hmm. in Santa Cruz. Um, but what happened was, um, I had moved there and I had found in 2013, and I had found uh, this, like, fledgling community that was all just people hanging out in the back of the Blue Lagoon on Thursdays being like, uh, we should have other places to perform. And so one guy started one show on a Wednesday, and then someone started one on a Monday, and then uh, another one popped up, and one died. And, you know, it's it kind of like ebbs and flows. The life cycle the life cycle of a of an open mic is is really really varies. But uh, a
0: year if you're lucky.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Some some <laughs> some burnout too soon, just like five weeks, or like someone, or like uh, there was one there was one in Santa Cruz on a Monday for five weeks. Before a guy called an old lady a cunt, Jeez, <laughs> and it was yeah. supposed to be a family friendly venue, <laughs> and uh, and they're like, we're not having
0: comedy here anymore. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. Especially at family friendly venues, it's a whole different you know running those kind of things is definitely a different gambit, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but since then,
4: um, DNA has started the Santa Cruz um, Comedy Festival. Yeah. Uh, which is going into its, like, fourth or fifth year. Um, yeah. Which is quite something. Uh, and there's a bunch of mics that have been running for a long time here. Uh, well,
0: not here. Not in your house. How did you get <laughs> – I hope not. Jesus, in, in Santa Cruz. <laughs> but how did you get involved putting together the, uh, the Poet and the Patriot? Because that's such a great mic. And, and in some ways, you know, you might not – I see it kind of as a sister mic. To, for Scotty in some way because I think we kind of started at the same time hmm. uh, which is what three four years ago uh-huh. and I think uh, and, and and seeing you how you were you know a young person running it at the time I felt like I was a young person running an open mic uh-huh. and at the time I was not ready to run an open mic To what, I mean now it, it's, it is what it is but first year was definitely hard putting it together so I'd like to hear about how you got the opportunity to, to you know put together The Poet and the Patriot
4: oh that was uh, The Poet was the easiest <laughs> The Poet was the easiest uh, show I ever pitched DNA had uh, just run the first Santa Cruz comedy festival and um, it had gone well and uh, one of the and, and what he did was he got comedy at a bunch of venues that had never had comedy before um, and so the poet had comedy for the first time and Damon hosted Damon Ferguson you know him?
0: oh uh, yeah sounds familiar yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
4: he's he's great they had a great and so I went up and I was 21 and uh, the manager and I looked 18 <laughs> yeah. and uh, I went up to the manager and I was like hey I heard you guys had a great comedy show on Saturday night and he was like yep and I was like how about I do that every Monday night and he was like sounds good (laughs) and 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 that and that's where that's that's all it was it it was just uh the easiest show i've ever pitched Mm -hmm. like i've I've had i've had shows at plenty of plenty of places and nobody's ever been just like yeah sure i mean it's it's what what do you mean what do you uh, when you said you you didn't feel like you were ready
0: no, what does because no. I don't think I, I was uh, well okay for example when you started The Point on the Patriot how, how long how many years in comedy were, were you, you already had under your belt Uh, probably about four four years right uh-huh. I barely even had a year <laughs> you know it was just by chance that for some uh, because Frascati was a general open mic on Tuesdays Uh we were just musicians comedians or whatever and I was going at the local university at Uh San Jose State University and oh great and that was only the real it was that and the caravan were the only real spots we can get some you know stage time and of course the difference here is that Frascati is a cafe Uh you know a family friendly cafe Mm
3: -hmm. Uh,
0: and and it's just not, not even a year in, but for some reason, uh, we made friends with the baristas and management. And uh, they, they you know, they wanted to split off the night because too many comedians were taking over the musician's time. <laughs> and they, they asked me to do it. Oh, nice. And it, at the time, I was very ambitious at the time, you know, I, being creatively putting things together was not, you know, I liked doing those things coming from a film background or in general. hmm it's like you know what? this is interesting. Let me try it out, but then we self-reflection. I was like, man, I was just not ready. What I was getting myself into in some ways, because it's one thing doing comedy; it's another thing putting together, you know, an open mic or a showcase. You know, like kind of the business side of comedy in some way. You know, you know where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. So that that's where I felt wasn't ready. So you already four years in. You're like you, you already had four years of observing others, you know, open mics, how they're run uh so i I think you came in with a better idea of what you were dealing with, right?
4: yeah, I suppose so and I guess the the biggest thing when running an open mic is getting the word out to comics because especially when you're in a more isolated area that uh, like 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 mine is yeah. um you have more of a potential for an unsaturated audience, you know um or, or, or rather, uh, an audience that's um, not calloused to live entertainment as much as you would find, say, in San Francisco, where they can find ten open mics, any you know, whenever. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, the entertainment culture is there; it's ingrained in the, in the city's history. Mm-hmm. Right. And and uh, so I think that it,
4: an advantage I had was um, being able to just. Um, poke a million people and say hey I'm running this open mic and then when you, ha- when you have just a jillion people coming through doing your open mic uh, some of them are going to be good
3: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, if people if you have good ones then people are going to like it and, and uh, keep coming back
0: ha- ha- has it changed running that mic from when you started and what it is now
4: yeah we have a taco stand now oh yeah which is that's- great that's- addition I'm so jealous uh, but yeah, it's been the same I mean it's it's always just uh, been the same same approach uh, that I've had um, sometimes I'll get a guest host and um, and that probably changes the vibe somewhat mm-hmm. um, but I'm all, I always do the same thing I do the same thing every single show I start the show twice I say alright put in the Patriot He's ready for some comedy and some people clap and then i say no 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 we're going to do this right we're going to start the show twice cuz we always start the show twice mm-hmm. and i say all right put on the patriot who's ready for some comedy and they go
3: yeah
0: right
4: that's the the biggest thing i do and then i'll do <laughs> i'll do i'll do a right. few jokes i wrote this week and then uh bring up your first comic uh want to play funny love them to death please give it up as loud as possibly can for uh Whoever, mm-hmm. and then uh, Jorge, <laughs> give it up as loud as a, as you possibly can for my best friend Jorge Sanchez.
0: Sure, yeah, and yeah. then so uh, usually some some booze happen when you. say No, that, never,
4: right. never. I've never. No one's ever boor- booed you, <laughs> yeah.
0: Jorge. But, yeah, but uh, again, another thing you, you deal with when running a mic is uh, you know you always want a crowd there, but at the same time you want you, you want a attentive crowd. You don't want a crowd that's too rowdy sometimes. I'd rather have a crowd than not one. That's true. That is very true.
4: because uh, you can, I mean, you can tame a, a general. Uh, you can tame a, a loud audience. That's hard. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, you can get the people that are closest to you to pay attention. I right. mean, like if they're in, in the, the first back of yeah, yeah. If you're in the you know if you if you if you're actually trying and you're not just screaming horrible things into the microphone about how everyone sucks and how comedy sucks. You can, you can win some people over if you're going to, if you just keep doing, because that's not a situation where you do long jokes. That's not a situation where you have a lot of leeway in terms of waiting on a punchline. You kind of just got to do quick jokes and get out of there.
0: Now, what were some things that you, you learned along the way of hosting? Uh, Let's see.
4: Quick things I learned along the way. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know that I. Because how do you how do you look at yourself um, when you're a fully grown adult, and then look back on uh, when you were like two feet high and think, how does the world look different now <laughs> now that I'm not two feet high? Right. Right. Um. I guess I guess I I developed some skills in crowd management. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't just yell at when there's a heckler. I don't just um, yell at them when there's heckling someone set and say shut up. I walk over and I say hey let him tell his jokes, you know, um, and or they'll they'll say you know, or they'll they'll be pissed off and be like oh, that
0: person's saying some fucked up shit and just be like yeah it's an open mic you don't have to stay.
3: Hmm.
0: How, how, how was was there a change in your relationship with the other local comics, especially the newcomers in, in the way that once you are a you know someone who's hosting a room and a room that's you know it's building a reputation, whether you like it or not, you're becoming a person of influence you're, you're becoming a a, a person uh, who is essentially in a role of a leadership really? Do you ever deal with that you know dynamic?
4: yeah uh and I guess the thing I do most is I just uh try really 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 hard to treat everyone with respect even when I don't necessarily like a situation I guess it's um I just try to I try to um do good community management I guess cause it's it's what it is, um, and 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 I'm aware that I have s- some responsibilities in, in terms of making sure that everyone feels safe at my open mic mm-hmm. and that everyone feels welcome and not uh, um, as an other. Yeah, I think that's I think that's something that um, is really easy to do. Especially when you have a small scene where there's a lot of... It's easy to have a lot of friction and people will chafe at each other. Right, right. Um, But I try really hard to um, uh, be as inclusive as possible and follow general best practices in terms of booking diverse shows. Mm. You don't want to have... You don't want to have an all-dude lineup. You don't want to have an all white person lineup. You don't want to have a, like an all straight lineup, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it. You can do whatever you want, but it gets boring.
0: Sure. Yeah.
4: It gets, it's just not a good show. And it, I mean, like, it, <laughs> there are, there are places where it kind of makes sense. If it's like a club and it's a two person show and there's a big headliner and the head, the, the feature is, like, someone that's, like, just really makes sense. Corporate corporate comedy clubs will, will book it like that. Whereas, like, you have a white guy headline, I can't a, a white guy opening. <laughs> yeah. But I don't do that. You know, I run a, I run a um, a one-nighter. I run a showcase once, once a month. Uh, and I try to have uh, a really diverse lineup because... Um, you know people don't want to sit and see the same perspective six times in a
0: row yeah well i i, I don't know how much of, the, of that was a problem in Santa Cruz necessarily uh cuz again it's a, it's a small scene relatively small scene it is but with great talent and i think one of the problems with maybe having a small scene is that you're only limited to a certain amount of performers available that's why i i do so much to try to get people from the bay area down
4: and we do yeah. oh so there's an outreach
0: for yeah I just started doing that it's just, I just started doing it with, with for Scotty where the you know third third Wednesdays I'm gonna have you know uh, pre-sign ups only available for comedians from Santa Cruz Modesto Sacramento oh really yeah but but th- that was definitely something that I, again late to the game of realizing you know maybe it's about time you reach out to other you know diverse places well,
4: yeah, I I try to I try to just um, get people from my scene on, um, and reach out to the networks in um, representing, you know, different areas of you know comedy scenes, and say, hey, come on down, I'll put you on the side list, and I have a little side list next to the sign ups where I just write down the people that I know for, are coming from out of town and kind of slot them in when they get there. Because, hmm. I mean, I'm so far away, it doesn't make sense to try to sign someone up for number 11 when they're driving an hour to get there yeah. because I'm just setting myself up for a bureaucracy nightmare of um, being like, well, this person isn't here now, so I'm pumping you in, uh, and then I'm going to have to slot that person in later and bump somebody else.
3: Right, right. So, that's, that's always tough. It's, so I just take yeah. my
4: list, and I uh, stick to it, and I will give people a heads up when there's four more than them, three more than them, two more than them, and then when they're next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that allows me a little buffer when someone shows up. I can be like, all right, there's three more than you.
0: you know.
3: Hmm.
0: Now, the showcase came much later, or was that kind of at the same time you started the open mic? So I started the open mic... Um,
4: about four years ago. It'll be four years in November. And um, they would not... I I finally got First Fridays after a year of booking successful showcases, but for a long time they would not give me a regular thing. They would just give me, like, a Saturday or something. Just wherever on the calendar they had an opening. And sometimes it would be the end of August and then the beginning of September or something. Mm -hmm. And so for a year I was just kind of booking... Um, the best talent I could to headline, and then a diverse lineup, uh, and and getting a lot of and doing a lot of flying, just printing it, out, printing out two hundred handbills and handing them out to all the hotels and all the downtown little areas, um, and finally, and 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 I had I had a lot of great people on, you know, I had uh Cassim Bentley, I had Matt Lieb, um, who went on to. Uh, is doing big things. I had Kate Willett, who just had a, a Netflix special come out. Yeah. Um, but uh, eventually they were like, okay, and they, they let me have a regular First Friday thing. And so that's where I've been at for the last two years. Hmm. So the first year was just an open mic, but I realized like, you know, it's I'm wasting my time if I'm just running an open mic here. I can be running a really good, like, refined show that can show people, like, uh, what, like, a professional comedy show looks like, that you, the caliber of what you would be able to find at any big city,
3: hmm.
4: and that's what I do, and, and I get a lot of, um, people on their way up, I've had, uh, Dulce Sloan who went on to, uh, have a net, or, or, no, she's, she's a Daily Show correspondent now, Mm-hmm and i've had um sammy obeyed uh, i've had uh it's you know conan and all that um wait
0: did you did you just say conan
4: yeah sammy obeyed was on conan
0: oh oh, never mind i thought you were saying that conan himself showed that'd up be with funny. the
4: poet yeah, yeah i'd be like yeah i've had you know just casually i had um, david letterman i don't know if you've ever heard of him <laughs> he's not doing much these days is he Oh, he's got, he's got a Netflix show. That's everybody's, right. Everybody's everybody's on Netflix except you and me. Who right? are? I know.
0: What what are we doing wrong?
4: Oh, uh, we're subscribing to it. As soon as you stop subscribing to it, yeah, then you get promoted to to being on
0: it. Oh man, but that's the hardest step. That's the yeah. hardest <laughs> step is cutting out <laughs> Netflix. I would never. Yeah. Um. But but, it, it, what was how would you best describe that gear change that you had to do when it comes to planning? Uh when it comes to an open mic and, and that showcase and, and how do and how you feel like it impacted the, the local community as far as you know the helping building the the comedy network in Santa Cruz
4: Oh, I, I mean I um, I just I just thought it um, would be co- just a cool thing to do I I never thought about it in terms of community um, in terms of differentiating. Um, I consider um, running an open mic to be much more difficult because an open mic, I don't mic. Who knows how long it go? Uh, the latest we run and we start at you know eight. We run until one thirty before, man. Which is
0: the fucking endurance you gotta have to, to host that. I could barely manage the the two hours I have.
4: It's uh well, when I started or when I started in twenty twelve to like really do it. Um, there were mics in the city that would that would run till one forty five and start at nine nine p.m. and that's and I would go to those and I wouldn't get up until nine forty or until one forty five because yeah. I was not good and I would get there at nine and the list would already full and and the people that were running were like Oh, he sucks anyways let's just push him up, put him on the back mm-hmm. and so I got really used to just sitting and waiting for a long time because that's I learned that that's that can just be the interminable slog of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got used to it, um, and and these days the poet on Monday night will run probably about till eleven. Um, so it's only hosting for about three hours. I mean, it's it's a long time. It's a long time to run comedy because I'm there until about ten thir- or about eleven thirty, um, cleaning up, shaking everybody's hand, getting you know my tips and paying out everybody and. Uh, I have to get there at 7.15 to uh, set up and put the list out. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's still a lot. And when I'm running a showcase, all I do is um, book the six people that I want, the headliner that I want, uh, print the flyers. I design the flyers myself because I'm a film and digital media major focusing on digital media production. So if I can't produce... <laughs> You know, if I can't produce a flyer, then what am I digital media producing? Um,
0: (laughs) Right. You're you're putting your degree into work.
4: Exactly. And so it's really easy to run the showcase because all I do is book those six people. I don't have to field all these messages all day from people saying, hey, uh, I'm rolling with such and such and the other, and we're probably going to get there at 9.30, but we have to hit at Williams first. Like, I don't have to do any of that. I just... Uh, show up the day of and host the show for two hours and like the last hour is just one person on stage I don't, mm. so I don't even have to do anything I just walk around with a tip jar and email list and hey huh, huh,
0: huh. oh you have an email list huh yeah Man, that's so smart
4: well what we do is uh, we're trying to find the best color that's a, that's something I learned from um, shows in the Bay Area there's some shows run by Sylvan um, which is a comedy collective um, in the Bay Area, uh, and they had an email list, and they've got like over a thousand people on their email list. Mm-hmm. Um, but their thing is, what was your fav- What's your name? What's your email? What's your favorite soup? And they uh, they would occasionally update us on how each soup was doing. I think minestrone was winning in 2012. Uh, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Um, but i realized that like oh the question that's what you know that's what gets people in cuz my mom's my mom's a um market researcher that's that's that was her trade mm-hmm. um so i i've kind of learned to tune into that that kind of thing but i realized like the way to, the way to get uh cause no one no one cares if you're just like hey give us your email like,
0: like are you just going to spam me jesus <laughs> yeah yeah
4: and you can make jokes about that and be, and be like, hey, well, this is an email list. We're going to sell your info to Zuckerberg. But like and, – and that's that will get a laugh. But if you add in, uh, we're trying to find the best color. I don't care what your favorite color is. We need to know the best color. Huh. People are like, oh, I know what the best color is. It's taupe. And so they, they write, you know, whatever. Um, How do you dictate which color is winning what? Well, I, keep, I put it all into MailChimp. And, uh, I just keep track. It's just like a, it all goes into like a big spreadsheet. And so I can tell what color is, it has the most votes in green, I think.
0: Oh, so they're voting through the email.
4: Yeah. They're, they're just signing up. They're writing their name. Uh, and they're writing, they're writing the color on the email list. So It's just a piece of paper. I hand it out.
0: Yeah. Okay. And it seems like you're beginning, you know, a lot of success with the email list.
4: Yeah, I stopped doing it for a while because I didn't have a printer, um, and, <laughs> and I I uh, started doing it again. And, and yeah, on Friday we got our, our last first Friday show.
0: Um, we got like 15 emails. So, do do you feel? Uh, and I know you touched upon it briefly, but I, I really, uh, maybe give some insight on in how that works because. Every time I perform at Santa Cruz, whether it's an open mic or a showcase, mm-hmm. the crowds are always great. Yeah. Even the crowds that, you know, are, didn't originally go there for comedy. Uh-huh. They stick around and they listen. Yeah. Uh, what is it about Santa Cruz that kind of has that vibe? It's a small know?
4: town. It's a small town. Yeah. And um, people are less uh, less preoccupied and less inundated. There's no comedy clubs here. There's no... Um there's no big names that you can see whenever you want and um I mean it still has the vibe of a, a big city, you yeah. know, where people are running around all the time, but um it's also a really arts ori- arts community oriented place mm-hmm. and people are more willing to sit down and listen to and hear what you have to say. Um but mostly uh it's just a place that's starved for decent talent.
3: Mm. uh
4: and you know they don't they don't get a lot of your type around there. you know what do you mean? comics, comics? entertainers okay, it's all poetry and it's bad poetry.
0: <laughs> yeah, like like most places I suppose. yeah
4: <laughs> but there's you know there's there's well, so much of it in in the Bay Area if you want to go see a good comedy show. Yeah, and there's plenty of people. Like on Friday night, uh, someone came up to the the door and asked the the uh, bouncer, "Like, hey, what's going on tonight? And uh, is there is there music?" And the bouncer was like, "No, it's comedy." And and the woman just goes, "Ugh!" And they walked away. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it's, I mean, there still is that. It's just like, um, there's smaller pockets of it, and there's more people here in Santa Cruz that are just kind of like, uh, just happy that you're here.
0: Another great thing is it seems like the the comedians have a, a coalition put together. Like it seems you guys are very organized in supporting each other and mm-hmm. and putting things together. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, DNA has a big part in that mm-hmm. in some ways, but it's just it, that's that's amazing to me. Cuz usually when you're in the you know, in a community of comedians, there's usually ego involved, there's usually some disagree creative differences. So I am really really impressed on how you guys have managed over there. It's Santa Cruz. It's not What does that mean though? Like what well, What is it you guys got that we don't got? Well there's a big
4: pond here my dude. There's no point. It, it there's no point in having an ego in the world's smallest pond. That would be like that would be like living in Sparks, Nevada and being like I'm the best comic in Sparks, Nevada. <laughs> you know, that'd be like, like that'd be nobody like, gives a shit. Yeah. that'd be like trying to run the best open mic in Bend, Oregon. No one would fucking care. Uh-huh. What's the point of being like? I was on the sure I was on the cover of the newspaper in Santa Cruz, California. Who cares?
0: That's pre- No, that's pretty cool though. That's good promotion though, isn't it?
4: Oh, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was. It was nice. I mean, like the reason that I got it was just because the editor they were gonna put me in the profile section in the back. And, uh, the editor was like, what's the cover story? And the assistant editor was like, oh, it's about Trump. And the editor was like, I'm sick of that guy. Let's put the kid on the cover.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Uh, do you, do you, do you, what's like a certain theme that you felt, uh, you gravitate towards in your own material? Mm, Just,
4: you know, stories and, and reflections on, um, how I see the world, uh, I guess I'm, I'm an electronic music minor. I do a lot of jokes about the music industry and, and recording artists. I do um, stories about uh, the short lifetime I had working in HR mm. um, after I dropped out the second time before I came back to UCSC. Um, I talk about religion and my parents and all that. Um, I wouldn't say there's a theme. Um I, I I would hope that a theme would be jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, hopefully laughter is a theme. P- punchlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> I am I, sure that I could I could. Put um, cut a, cut out non jokes a little bit more, mm. and uh, take take that the theme of non jokes out of there, mm-hmm. and just have a theme of all jokes. Oh, obviously. just
0: straight, straight punchlines. Yeah, straight. <laughs> yeah. Well. Do you feel like your your voice has changed? I'm sure it has throughout the years, right?
3: Yeah, I used to be up here,
0: and
4: now now I'm up now I'm down, now I'm down here. I'm a sensual man.
0: Like, were you always a storytelling kind of kind of uh-huh. guy?
4: Uh huh. But they didn't; they weren't oh. funny. They were just sad. Uh-huh. I would try to do like longer form bits, and it was just kind of like not going anywhere. Uh, I, was, I i mean, I was always doing this, the same thing it's just a matter of refining and cutting out stuff and and removing jokes that aren't good or don't reflect well on you like there are jokes that I used to do where like I wasn't you know you know targeting minorities or or whatever with my jokes but it was was stuff like that I don't feel like reflect who I want to be Mm. so I guess um, I'd hope that what I'm trying to do has matured. Um, but I don't know that it's that different.
3: Hmm. Which
4: is fine. I mean, I'm never going to be like a one-liner guy like Mitch Hedberg. Right. Um. Those are tough, man. Well, I mean, I do some one-liners. Hmm. I do some stories. Uh, I can't do I can't do like voices you know I can't do impressions really. yeah I mean everybody anybody can do Arnold Schwarzenegger but that's it Yeah, that's the only only for a few seconds really. the only one anyone can do <laughs> everything else some people can't do
0: man it's great stuff uh, so it seems like you also uh, I've seen you perform at Fremont seems like you, you you travel a little bit once in a while right to perform
4: yeah, it just happened much since I was in school. Huh. So you're studying digital media, right? Film and digital media with a minor in electronic music.
0: Cool. Was that the initial major you came in, or did you change majors when you came back?
4: When I first went, I was a politics major um, until I, until my therapist told me I had to stop banging my head against the wall. And so oh, I... Politics would do that uh, to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I quit that and switched to film and then I dropped out again and then I finally came back. I, I did film classes at Cabrillo, which is the junior college in, um, Aptos in Santa Cruz County. Right. Uh, and did well there and transferred back. Um, and before I went, before I went back to UCSC, I was traveling a lot and I would, uh, you know, I did road trips from Portland down to San Diego. Um, Um, this past this past year um of 2018 I haven't really done any traveling but last year I did Mm -hmm. um I did a couple festivals I did Chico and I did the Sabichanery Festival in uh in Humboldt
3: how
0: was that experience performing at festivals
4: oh it was fun it was nice I mean I got to meet I got to meet some people that you know I uh admire um it was fun um when I would do road trips, I, I would get to. There was one time that I got to do a show with Shane Moss, uh, who's um, a really a really cool alt comic. I don't know if you would call him alt comic. He's not like a very mainstream comic. He's a club guy, and uh, he's got a couple specials on Netflix. And mm-hmm. uh, he was someone I found when I first started doing comedy, and I listened to his I jokes, and I thought he was so friggin' funny. Yeah.
0: Uh, Were you starstruck? I'm sure you were,
4: right? I I thought it was really cool. Um, And he was. It was hard to be starstruck by him because he was just such a low key, mellow guy. And uh, he goes, he tours the country with doing his podcast that's about um, life and science, Mm -hmm. and he interviews scientists. Uh, And he's all about like. Psychedelics and their impact on the brain and and how it alters our life. He's done DMT a lot, you know, the spirit molecule. Right. It's the one where it's like a mind bending trip that you leave, you know, space and time and all that. Uh, And after the show, like, I did terrible because it was um, the. The show is just so packed with stars, and it was L.A. I mean, not stars, but, like, really talented people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, one had just gotten finished with his America's Got Talent taping, and the other one's America's Got Talent appearance was on in the bar in the back. Uh, And then there's (laughs) Shane Moss, and then there's uh, this uh, really talented, uh, like, working comic uh, that I had a huge crush on. And and then in the middle is me. Right uh, and I was certainly the weakest link, but oh, Shane Moss was super cool, and um and uh, hung out with me and uh, my friends who produced the show. That's why I got on it uh, and just talked for like forty five minutes about his life and what he's doing and all that. Hmm. Um, so it was really cool. Um, but I haven't I haven't uh, had a chance to to you know work the road in a long time just because i've been i just want to get it done you know i want to be done with school because i'm doing a lot of screenwriting and stuff and well that's I, cool I, I didn't know
0: you were a screenwriter that's pretty awesome dude
4: um yeah well you know <laughs> so i didn't send a resume or anything so what about screenwriting attracted you uh just writing jokes i'd always wanted to do it um and an independent producer in 2014 that wanted to produce content for a streaming device um company in Silicon Valley um he came to us me and my creative partner at the time and we talked about like because he came to Santa Cruz to set up because it was right next door to to Silicon Valley and he filmed some shows around town and DNA filmed the show with them um that 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 turned out pretty good, and they just packed it into a movie and submitted it to the Santa Cruz Movie Festival. Mm-hmm. Um. But we pitched this producer some shows, and based on live events we were running, and then he was like, "Okay, what else do you got?" And we we're like, "I don't know. What do you want to do?" And he's like, "Well, my dream has always been um, to make this cartoon." And it was a uh, he pitched he he told us all about it. It was a cartoon about um, vapid Hollywood culture and um how it's exploited by hollywood music or by by uh by country music um into just this prepackaged, you know bullshit mm-hmm. uh and we're like that's funny uh we'll do that and so we um wrote the pilot and you know did all the heavy screenwriting lifting work of uh building a universe you know yeah um we uh put all of our effort into writing this pilot and we turned out, um, 40 page pilot script for LA country, uh, and had a table read and, um, did all the fine tuning and, um, they started to animate it and then ran out of money. Um, mm. and so who knows if that'll, what will happen there. But in the in- intervening years, I've gone back to UCSC and been doing electronic music and uh, gotten, in, and I'm focusing on the digital media production track um, of my major, and my intention is to create um, an animated film based on the music that I've been producing in my electronic
0: music. Line. Oh, sweet, sweet man, that's awesome! Looks like you're 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 doing great stuff. Looks like you got a lot of things coming, uh, Sam Weber. It's been an hour. Thank you for coming. You know, we close our shop around here.
4: Yeah, well, thank you very much. It's it's been a pleasure talking great, to you.
0: Great talking to you. Um, and you know, you got any plugins? You know, where where can people check out your work? Where can people you know see um, the poet and the patriot?
4: You can come to the poet and the patriot on Mondays and first Fridays. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at area comedian.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, like, like like an onion joke, like area man does such and such. I'm area comedian. Yeah, one day, one day, one day. I'm going to rise up I'm going to become a regional comedian
0: (laughs) Uh, you pull in the patron in Santa Cruz downtown Santa Cruz downtown Santa Cruz right in the heart of it personally I love I love the bartender guy there Larry Larry because he actually uh, the only thing I really order over there is tea and (laughs) he he actually has tea I get some funny looks from people like "You're, you're drinking tea at a bar
4: it's an Irish pub it's an Irish pub that's how you know they're legit yep
0: they got tea in the back
4: well, it's not its not truly an Irish bar unless you accommodate to people who don't drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> for reasons of health or conscience. Oh,
0: man. All okay. right, Sam Weber, thank you for coming.
4: Thanks, Jorge. It was, it was really nice.
0: Once again, check out Sam Weber's Open Mic on Monday nights in Santa Cruz at The Poet and the Patriot. A lot of fun. Great talk. Great talk with that guy. All right, that's it for this week. Have a good one. Take care. Next week's guest is a musician. She is young, and she has a a great voice, and you should look forward to that episode coming real soon. Hopefully, it'll be on time this time around. All right, that's it, everybody. That's it for me. Don't forget to follow JMS Podcast on Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter, and oh, another thing is stop by Frascati once in a while. That's where you can find me uh, running my comedy show. And uh, a lot of great things have been happening there. On top of that, you can now follow the Frascati Comedy on Facebook and on Twitter. That's right. Get to know about upcoming comedy debates, upcoming uh, improv games, stuff like that. Alright, that's it. Have a good one. Take care. Sayonara.